Welcome to UVA Throws Podcast. For people who want to learn more from successful student athletes, coaches, and professional throwers, and we bring you all this from their own perspective. Their experience and lessons will save you a lot of trouble. Today with us we have Jason Tungs. He's a three-time Olympian, Canadian discus record holder. He will talk to us about his early days of throwing, college and professional career, and things he learned along the way. He's going to address things that he was glad he did at the early stage and things he wished he focused on more. He also gives a great advice to young athletes and coaches who are just getting to sport, things he learned himself and things he learned from other great coaches like Tony Cirelli and many others. If you're new to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button and enjoy. So we have Jason Tongs. Jason, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so yeah, much. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. You are obviously a very accomplished thrower. You are a great coach now. You set some throwers on a really good track, and uh, one, of, one of them is one of the best throwers of all time at UVA, right? Uh, I want to talk to you about him and then, you know, development, his development. For the people watching that I, they don't know, how did you get into throwing in, in the first place? Uh, I, was, uh, I was always a high jumper. I always classified myself as a high jumper uh, <laughs> until I got into about uh, – grade nine I guess in grade eight I might have jumped 172 or three or something along those lines in in grade eight and when I got to grade nine there was a coach there who ended up being my primary coach for most of my life whenever I came home so John was uh came outside and just you know he's like you should come and try throwing and I'm like I don't even know what you're talking about yeah. so he said well, why don't you come and try a shot do it a couple times see if you like it <clears throat> uh I did I didn't like it <laughs> and um, he just kept pushing it. So we went to a meet and I got like absolutely destroyed in the shot and I got yeah. beaten the disc and I, I didn't like it, but I, uh, I kind of liked the, uh, the challenge of it. Like it was, it was difficult at the start for me mm-hmm. and uh, it was something I excelled at pretty quickly. So as every kid, I mean, you start accelerating in something, you, you, you learn to like it. At some point. Yeah. 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 And then um, you obviously made a decision to go to us and study how was that experience different than uh, uh, high school? And uh, did you have a transition time? Did you have to adjust college uh, culture shock? Or uh, I don't think so. I think most international students coming in don't really have that, mm. you know, because we come in at a later age, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. you went down. You weren't eighteen or nineteen years old. I don't think. Yeah. So <clears throat> us going down, it was uh, you just kind of join the the crowd and go with the flow, uh, and it's an extension really of the training that you do, I mean, the lifting is a whole lot different. U.S. philosophy typically is different than international lifting ideas. But uh, other than that, it's, uh, and then going to Texas was a culture yeah. shock. <laughs> but I mean, those little things, uh, other, everything else was just, you go to class and you do what you gotta do, right? Mm. You yeah. had an incredible training group and you were throwing at incredible time. I mean, these are yeah. giants of throwing when you won NCA uh, in 97. I think you had guys like Tamert, uh, Ion Waltz, those guys, uh, Casey Malone, right? All these Olympians that you were fighting against. How how awesome was that or challenging? Did it help? It, it was great. I mean, I chose SMU purely because of Alex. Um, I got a chance. And, you know, back in our day, we didn't have the internet. Yeah. So I saw magazine articles and I read track and field news. And I got a chance to talk to Dave. And Dave was like, this guy is going to be great. Yeah. And uh, I went to my visit and I met him and he was okay. He didn't, he's English was <laughs> he was <like> okay. <laughs> yeah. And he's a great friend of mine now. Um, yeah. Obviously we were teammates forever, but yeah. 
I, I picked the school because of him thinking, okay, well, if I have someone like that's similar in distance uh, and size and stature, then, you know, clearly we can help each other out, yeah. which is what we did. Uh, and then we threw against obviously all those awesome throwers. Um, and uh, 97, uh, it, where was that? Indiana. I remember Jared Rome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome, Rome as well, yeah. awesome guy. Yeah. Um, he ended up being second. Here's a funny story about Jared. And, and Alex was fifth yeah. and uh, I was getting interviewed when I won and I said, and, and Jared was beside, this is my introduction to Jared and we became a long life friends. Yeah. And, uh, so I was being interviewed and I said, you know, it's a pity that, uh, you know, Alex didn't get a second. I don't know who got a second, but he should have. And I looked over and, and Jared was like, I got second. And I was like, Sorry, buddy. and he goes, you know what? He goes, you're probably right. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, he took it in stride and, I remember Casey was an absolute beast as a as a junior and kind of and kind of like flamed out at the ninety seven. Uh, in ninety six, yeah. he was a stallion at eighteen or something like that. So yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, incredible group of people. I was checking the results uh, the other day, <clears throat> and I'm like, wow, this at the same time these guys are throwing, and then at the same also, how did that help you uh, in your professional career? Right, so you were getting yeah. into the Olympics, right? Your second Olympics. So you were already Olympian in college, right? Yeah, yeah, 96. Wow, okay, so your second Olympics, you're ready, you have all these guys with you. Did that make a, make it easier that you know who you're competing against? It's, it's yeah, huge, hugely. Um, you kind of know who, who are the guys you need to throw against. I mean, the Europeans typically are, are the ones that you're looking at. Um, I used uh, the North American circuit as a, as, a, uh, as a springboard, and I remember I had a lot of troubles in 2000. I threw very, very far. Um, in January or February, maybe like 67 or eight meters in training. Nice. And uh, I was training so often. And my, my, the way I grew up is I would take 100 throws a day, every single day. And uh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I trained. Wow. Yeah. It's like an hammer throw approach. approach. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy amounts of throws. Yeah. <laughs> and I lifted, you know, five times a week. And, and I remember Dave's was like, you're, you're going to get burnt out i'm like no it's not possible it can't happen yeah. and i did i was i got into a point where i was overtraining and uh, i got sick and i was uh yeah. i was sick for about a month and uh when i came out of it i just used that that american kind of like salinas and uh, yeah mount sack and stuff i didn't throw very far uh, maybe like up to 64 meters something like that and i hadn't qualified for the olympics and we went to texas relays Oh. And uh, I ended up throwing 66 or 7 meters or whatever it was there and ended up qualifying. And then kind of stayed home and changed the focus to just uh, getting things right for Olympic Games. So it um, typically through uh, living in the States, you yeah. use those you use those guys like the Godina. He was, he was an animal. Uh, and I loved competing against him and Andy yeah. Bloom. And, you know, uh, Doug Reynolds was a beast too. Like there was a lot of great throwers there. And uh, Alekna came down and trained with us. Now Alekna. The, the, the living legend, right? Yeah, it was almost comical watching him train because he was just so strong and so really everything, like a five sixty bench, and uh, he box squatted, but his parallel box squat was like seven hundred pounds plus for reps, and on that like, height too, he's not yeah. short. Yeah, it, and uh, he could clean for for one eighty kilos for reps easily. Are you serious? Oh my god! I never, I I seen him obviously a couple of times. I never talked to him as much. Oh, no, no. He's a super he's nice guy. Strong. 
And he was very strong and he would train every single day. This was in uh, 2000. Every training, every training session he had was 72 meters every time. He said that was the best year of the, he was the, the readiest at that year. Yeah. Yeah. We were in, uh, we went to Mount Sac and he threw 67, 90 and we were, we we're having a beer after in the hot tub. And I said, you know, you, I've seen you train every day, 70 plus meters. Yeah. I'm like, you should, you should throw 70 meters every time we touch the disc. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's training and, and competition are different. And, uh, and I said, well, you're, you should win the Olympics very easily. He goes, no, Riedel, Riedel's too strong. I said, I'm like, you're, you're 10 times. Yeah. The, uh, eventually, yeah. But he went on that year, and I think his best training throw was rumored to be 76 meters that year. Like, right. In <laughs> order for him to like, seven, Almost like, like you said, comical distance. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I know yeah. that. I know that he was throwing over 75, 76. Just crazy distances. Is, and, uh, for him to do that, either 69, 50 or whatever it was, but whatever, yeah. What's your best practice throw? Uh, 7208. Oh, my God. I was trained to train with Rutger, too, and, and uh, he's, uh -huh. seen, he's seen me throw seven meters a couple of times. And uh, yeah. it's one of those things. I, I, always say, I always joke around. I'm the, I'm the only 70-meter thrower that never threw 70 meters. You, uh, th th I was looking up the stats. You were so consistent over 65, 66 you threw so many throws. I don't think you caught a win. I don't think you caught um, a win. If you caw a win, I mean, I want to see 72 meters on practice. I did. I went to San Diego one year when they actually leveled that field out in maybe 2005. And Venegas, you know, remember Venegas used to mark everybody. Of course, UCLA, yep. The legend. It was 210. It was 211. I think he did it to kind of mess with you, quite frankly. But um, I was warming up, and every throw I'd walk out and it was hitting the 220 line. And uh, wow. I, I was in much better shape, I thought. I can remember training at 68, and yeah. I remember uh, walking out, and I was kind of in a foul mood. He's like, what's your problem? I said, man, I said, I'm, I'm killing these warm-up throws, and they're only going 220. I said, I don't know what else to do. He's like, Jason, this last line's 230. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh. I said, well, watch this. I'm going to kill it. And then, of course, oh, you're you know, trying too hard. Really, huh? yes, you, yeah. And I ended up throwing 65 or 6, and I missed every throw. And, but uh, that was probably the, uh, the most technically sound I've ever been. Was at, at that time. Yeah, yeah and I, I know that that's a San Diego, that's a, um, a Trojan meet, right? The one that yeah, overlooks. UCSD. Yeah, it overlooks the, the wind there is tricky. It can go from the left side, right? So if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not like you get, that's impressive. Wow. It was, um, it, it was back in lean years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that what a, what a time to to be in in uh, the, you know throwing with those guys. I think that was the best time. You know, two thousand early two thousands, obviously late nineties, two thousand. Now we have some incredible kids, right? Uh, Daniel oh, Stahl, uh, Frederick, one of my favorites. Who was uh who was your idol or who did you look up to in technique or distance when you were throwing? Um, I always said like Jurgen Schuld was my school idol when I was mm -hmm. a kid. And uh, I got a chance to train with him more than once and chat with him quite frequently. Right. And um, he, he was generally just a very nice guy. And I remember he would, if I was throwing and throwing, and I was throwing far, he'd be like, Jason, you just save it. The Relax, yeah. Save it. And uh, I, put, I posted a story today on uh, Hard Knocks uh, about a meet. We were ready for world championships. Him and I were training. And yeah. people at home will love this. It was great wind. Seville was the stadium. Our practice track was in this field, like somebody's farmer's field. They put a track there. I don't know uh -huh. why. Super windy. And uh, we both started our session up, and he used to smoke, right? So he had a cigarette. He took a drag, placed it beside the ring. Yeah. Two throws. It was like 70, 70. Picked up his, his cigarette, walked out, came back in. Oh, right? He took 10 throws that day, uh, two cigarettes. <laughs> and he was 
best throw was yeah, it's crazy. His best throw was seventy-one thirty, and we marked it. Wow! And uh, he came in. He's like, "Don't tell, don't tell them." Yeah, <laughs> the, the competition was coming up, right? And, and then he ended up winning a a silver medal with like sixty-eight twenty or something, thirty-nine. Uh, that was the year that uh, Anthony Washington right had the big throw. Yeah, sixty meters last round, just yeah. out, of the, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And that technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a cool guy to talk to too, Tony. Uh, I think when I threw my PB, um, he's like, "Well, how'd you throw it?" I'm like, "Well, it was you know, it was a good wind." And yeah, he goes, "No, how was your hand and you threw it?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like he was really into the dynamics of how oh, he was walking down okay. hand like two degrees, and you know, I mean, would have gone yeah. farther. I don't even know. It's, he was so far advanced in the way he approached the like, the, the, the launch. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, there's so many things that go into account. And I can't even imagine at your level. I know, I'm sure you experienced this when you go from, you know, 55 meters to 60, oh, 65 yeah. to 65, and then 65 to, you know, close to 70. That's a completely different game. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's impressive to see you guys, you know, like I said, throw consistently like that, that far. Um, and there's some kids now are coming up uh, really, really well. Now, in your experience, so obviously you had some, you know, high school, college, and, and, and professional uh, success. How, uh, what are some things that you wish you've done differently now would you, that you know, or some things that you are glad that you did? Uh, the things I wish, I, I mean, I, I trained, I lifted a lot. I became a, um, like a weight room guy. And uh, I believe from the years 96 to 2001, I was technically not bad. I went, as soon as I went with Don, and I credit Don, Don Babbitt's a tremendous, we trained, I mean, yeah, tremendous yeah. coach. He knows his yeah. stuff. He gets you strong. Yeah. Um, I took it to another level. I mean, we came <laughs> like myself and Brad and Adam. Shop was strong. I became shop was strong, you know, and uh, I went from like 160K clean to 200 in the matter of a year. And like people were like, oh, it's drugs. No, I mean, I was, I was a clean athlete and I, I went so hard um, and the numbers became so addictive. And that, that's yeah. a problem, I think, with uh, athletes is that you get addicted to being weight room strong strong yeah exactly yeah. versus you know addicted to like i want to get this drill right and i want it to work well i think those are the things i would have changed um i was way too strong to throw yeah. you know what i don't know if it's too strong I, I wasn't mobile enough for the strength levels i had okay. okay every time i got injured which is very frequently after that mm -hmm. like i had eight ankle surgeries a knee operation i broke my back i hurt yeah. a disc in the neck all from unnecessary movements um and uh, i would have i would definitely change that and I, i'm changing that with the kids i coach now like my daughter's very strong mm -hmm. um, and you have to almost put a harness on her to hold her back because she she possesses a lot of the things that i did like um as a joke her mom was like you know you're you're, you're lucky you have your dad's genetics <laughs> in the same token i'm like maybe you're not yeah problems yeah. With but yeah. that's one thing i would change uh, the things I wouldn't change is I work ethic. I worked very hard. Um, if I couldn't get a drill, I'd worked until I got it. And uh, I may not have ever recorded a long throw over 70 in a week, yeah. but I've recorded long throws. And yeah. uh, that's yeah. what I have to take with me when, I'm, when it's all said and done. And yeah. I kind of, uh, I like the path I was on and I wouldn't have changed it yeah. because it led me to where I am now. Uh, yeah. So it's all good. No, incredible. I mean, the incredible career you had and I'm sure – we, if you did know some things earlier, right, that, like being more focused on technique, 
then on strength, right? At that period that you could have done so much more and you did. I mean, you threw 65 or 65, 65, 60 at Olympics with no win, right? Those distances are, are incredible. Uh, I can only imagine how I was competing with those guys at that time to oh, be crazy. in a loop, right? Because nobody like, well, who's, who's this kid throwing? Who's this kid throwing, right? No, oh, yeah. It's, it, that, that Olympic Games was, was phenomenal. That I was just looking at some of that stuff today, the 2000 Olympics. I mean, top three was 68-something. Yeah. Uh, I was sixth with nearly 66. I mean, that's, it's, uh, it was a tough meet. And uh, I kind of approached that, uh, like, no one really knows what I'm going to do and no one really cares. So yeah. I kind of wasn't in the mix. And that's, uh, that's the best way to do it is you kind of go in, don't expect a lot, and, you know, yes. kind of see where it goes. So, yeah, what was your uh, uh, preparation for the meets? What was your, like, a pre-meet um, uh, preparation game, or did you have? I, uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I started waking up. I was in, obviously, in, uh, in uh, Texas at the time. I remember I started waking up at, like, 3 or 2 in the morning to, to acclimatize one month out. Uh, I wanted to ensure, and not people knowing those these stories, and like I wanted to ensure that I was ready to go at this Olympic Games because I kind of uh, I had two reasonably long fouls in '96, and then I had to come up with a throw, and, and I kind of you know sucked. So yeah. I wanted to show everybody that I was you know from my '97 uh, time Champions, over there, yeah, that I was ready to go. And so I started waking up at like two or three in the morning, wow. and uh, I would train at like you know six in the morning or seven in the morning yeah. and then come back into my weights. And uh, once we got there, I mean, I acclimatized almost instantly. We had a meet like the second day and I threw 65, 80 or 90. Yeah. And then uh, I primarily used only 1.8s. Um, mm-hmm. And this, I, I, I would say that if you're not a discus or using the light stuff, uh, I think you're doing it wrong. Uh, yeah. You got to get the, and everybody's like, well, some coaches disagree. I mean, you can't yeah. really move the same speed, but I think you can move faster and mm-hmm. more effective. And if you can move a, a light implement very effectively and fast, mm-hmm. you, I mean, it'll translate it really well. And my best training throws prior to 2000, you know, I was like 70, 71. And I knew if I could throw over 70 with a 1.8, then I could surely throw 66. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's a great point. I've seen, I've seen go uh, the different, uh, different, uh, understanding of it Mike Wilkins he liked the heavy stuff um mm. I know Germans they love heavy stuff um yep. the Cubans they will throw 1k I, I remember this one disc store he would throw 1k I'm like what is it? what is it it's, you threw yeah. 1k too right well how far I, yeah we did I uh we had one marked um in uh woman wanted to see it god what year is that 98 I threw 89 20 didn't. Oh my God! Almost ninety meters. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And Franz Kruger has a recorded throw on, on YouTube of ninety meters. I think I've seen some. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that is so. Uh, I don't know. I think I've I've thrown over the women's world record. It's, it's, it's so, so hard, hard to hit. The one yeah. K is so hard to hit. It goes everywhere. You got to hit it low and you got to hit it hard. And that's okay. and, and the faster you move it, you know, obviously it's it's going to yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan and I talked quite a few times when we were doing some things. Uh, how you help him visualize things, how you helped him uh, get set up, uh, set up the movements. You learn a lot as well. So what are some things in early development that you would advise young throwers to look into? Yeah, it's the same thing. I, I think uh, learning how to, to maximize your stand and mm. working the right foot and right knee and hip while staying back and then really pushing those through the finish yeah. um, is, is a huge starting point. And I think throwing heavy stands to create specific strength versus jumping in the weight room like benching and doing flies because that doesn't really translate over to throwing right Mm. um 
like I have, uh, I've got my stepson and, and my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use primarily as examples. Now I do a fair bit of online stuff and I have a couple other kids that I coach around mm-hmm. town. Um, but they, they do a lot of really heavy stands and I've had Julia use a 1.5 okay. for stand throws, uh, yeah. just to see, right. Um, I know she can throw a 2k from a stand almost 30 meters. It's yeah. So I work on those things <clears throat> and I work on this, that kind of stuff. I work a lot on uh, right foot in the middle half turns. And then we, mm-hmm. you guys would do the South Africans. We used to do South Africans. I'm sure you did too, but yeah. we would like run through it and jump and finish it. Yeah. I never, ever paid attention to why I was doing it. And mm-hmm. then uh, I kind of broke it down later in my career. I think 2003 or four where I started just stepping through mm-hmm. and just kind of going quick feet and just trying to catch it and then turn. Yeah. It didn't go nearly as far, uh, uh-huh. but it, it kind of maximized my feeling of that stretch in the middle and, and really activating the right foot. Yeah. Uh, so I focus a lot on those stands and those step-ins, primarily with those guys. Mm-hmm. And it pays dividends, it really does. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so important. And I'm, I'm hopefully uh, you guys are taking notes here. How, and you see, we see this as in college, uh, college coaches, if you don't get that right in high school, it is mm. so hard to fix it later on. Okay. And I love that you pay so much attention to that. That's really true. If you cannot drive the discus, if you can't uh, do it from the beginning, you will have us in a full throw, right? You have that tendency to lo- use all your body and mm. you, will, you will go to the foul. Like you will try to throw far, losing that, losing that importance in the middle uh, that happens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think with Jordan, and it's, I'm, I can tell you a story with Jordan. You had, remember, a, you, had what, just, you had a 30, 20-meter PR with him, right? <laughs> Something ridiculous. Jordan, um, <clears throat> I, I went, I just, you know, I got a call from my coach uh, when he was in grade nine. There's like, there's a kid yeah. going to compete today. Yeah. You got to come down because he's the next you. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm still actively competing. I'm like, next me? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> But I said, I'll come down and take a look. Yeah. And uh, so I got there and there's this kid, skinny kid, about six, five, and he's throwing a one K and he's throwing yeah. about 45. And then his dad, dad, those, those two people, they're just great people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his dad comes over and he's like, Hey, can you, can you give me uh, some, some pointers? I said, sure. I, I can, I can say something. I mean, I'm, he's in the middle of a competition, but whatever. I said, you're going to need to get on your right a little more off the back just so it's you can get on the ball of it so you can feel yourself pushing across the ring i said that's all i can really tell you today and i think he ended up throwing 48 <clears throat> yeah and then after they came over and said well would you like would you like to coach him i said I, i haven't thought about coaching anybody um i'm still competing but i said uh you know we can we can do it yeah. and i said uh, he was a great student jordan was a was a great student he uh he whined a lot early on Uh, (laughs) and he had punishments i used to make him if he didn't do something right i'd make him run 400 meters so he i I did and he's like he did tell me that he did tell me that (laughs) and for no rhyme or reason but i'm like just get out of here for five minutes i'm sick of crying um but great kid and great work ethic and he went from uh 48 meters to the next year at offset with a 1k through 70 70 um, was and uh, was there was a real record at the time? I don't think there was a the officer record at the time. Was yeah, yeah, maybe 58. Yeah, he yeah. destroyed it. That's insane. He destroyed it. And uh, I teach him the same way I teach Julia, they have the exact same technical aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, get around that, that lead leg, hit the middle, shoulders down, back, keep the arm nice and tight, and then start mm-hmm. activating the right side. 
and keep grounded so you can keep pushing. And uh, that's the way I think of it is I just keep pushing the shoulder through after the hip. Did that something that you thought uh, that somebody taught you or did you feel that in your throats? How did you came up that? Cause you'll have some, you know, it, it's so hard to stay grounded. <laughs> it is. And if you, and like I said, Jurgen Schultz was a huge influence. And when I got to SMU, we got a chance to watch videotape. And I remember watching hours and hours and hours of tape. And then the internet came alive and yeah. we got a chance to watch this. Yeah. Without sitting in my coach's office. <clears throat> and uh, I just was, I was mesmerized, but how, long he stayed yeah. on, the, on the discus like Malashevsky yeah the reverser his finish yeah. is phenomenal he's on that like and he's long he's like all way over there right yeah it's it's incredible so I used uh Schultz as an example now clearly he's he's another beast altogether but yeah when I see that I see his shoulder lead like right to the finish so I'm like he's yeah. pushing that shoulder through he's not thinking pulling and, biceps and making it short right yeah and if he is then I'm, I'm thinking of it differently but that's how i've looked at it and that's how i approach it i just keep you know turn the right turn the right hip push the hip and then just yeah. push your shoulder through it's yeah. a reaction like the throw is a reaction of your of your footwork underneath right yeah, yeah. what is the difference now you have somebody you're gonna show he kind of not reversed but sometimes he kind of reversed yeah. <laughs> you have lost a riddle right <laughs> a riddle he never reversed obviously he was not reversing yeah, non-reverser his whole career. And um, Jurgen um, threw 74 meters with the reverse, as everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember having lunch with him at McDonald's one day, and, I, and nobody ever asked him. And I said, why, why did you, why'd you, like, why'd you stop reversing? Go back, yeah. And he said, uh, yeah. He said, you know, I went to Europeans two weeks later, and I threw 64. Um, and my federation said, you're either retiring or you're going back to non-reverse because it's more stable. Yeah. And I said, yeah. it wasn't your choice. He's like, no, it wasn't my choice. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I remember Robert Harting, right? Mm -hmm. One of the best discus throwers of all time, as well. He uh, there was a one. He was a reverser first, and then he uh, went by to non-reverse. And there was a meet. I remember he was joking. He threw sixty-eight or sixty-eight fifty with the reverse. He was like, "Whoa, I can throw!" You know, he was just joking. He yeah. went 60, uh, 68 fifty. He's like, "Oh, okay, I can throw far today." No, that was the furthest throw of the meet. <laughs> he had, took five throws after that with non-reverse, try and throw, you know, over 70. No. <laughs> uh, but he was, you know, obviously he threw a 71. Um, he threw miles, yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, and those guys, too. The non-reverse typically is a more stable technique. Mm -hmm. So how do you, when the kids ask you, this is a, a, a question I'm sure you've been asked a lot. Why would I reverse or why would I non-reverse, right? How do you decide for your athlete? Obviously, at the time, Jordan, you had him non-reversed through 71. Yeah. How do you know when to change or, or to change at all? Uh, I, I, typically, I typically think the re you will throw farther with a reverse. I think you will. I just, it's, it's, yeah. You can get out on it more aggressively. You can get out on it longer. You can get the discus yeah. on a higher plane. I think there's a lot of aspects that uh, kind of lead into a big reverse. But if you don't have the fundamentals down to non-reverse balanced, you can't go on. And I coach a couple guys like, what am I doing today? I'm like, you're doing the same thing you did like two weeks ago. And I don't think they get it. And then, you know, <clears throat> yeah. they start throwing meters and meters farther. It's like, okay, so that's the idea. I'm like, yeah, you have to be very balanced, yeah. uh, very stable, and very consistent. And once you hit those consistent marks, that leads to bigger things. And if you can effectively non-reverse that right side, then you can reverse. Like we having, yeah. I do Julia, Julia reverses now. We have these mock competitions and she's mm -hmm. comfortable reversing. Um, right. I still think her non-reverse is farther. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but she, when she becomes faster and like, she's a kid, she's got a 49 meter PB at 13 yeah. years of age with a one K once she's like 17, her, her general speed to be twice as fast. That will be a better reverse. I love how you set that up. Uh, your, your practice, your training, obviously, you know, it's not by accident. You have experience with that. How important the process is, right? Like you said, okay, we're going to do the same thing we did two weeks ago because you need to get it right. You're not jumping into uh, into technical things like, oh, you know, uh, we're going to do a left side and then we're going to stay straight. And then you don't you don't throw many things at the same time. Right? You're working one thing at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you have to. Every great coach um, has to have the and, and you're going to have athletes that are like, I want to move on. And you can't. You just they have to know that what they're going to be doing is, is a process. And yeah. you have them for you guys specifically have them for four yeah. years. Yeah. And the idea is if they're really good when they come in, they're going to be unbelievable later. And mm -hmm. if they're good, they're going to be great. So, I mean, yeah. just, they have to be on the same page as you too, right? Patience, yeah. So what is the, we have, especially now with Corona, but uh, not just that, you, there's so many kids around the world now throwing and there are only few as lucky uh, as your kids are to have mm -hmm. a coach that are so experienced. What do you uh, think to them? Online coaching stuff. I'll touch on that. Yeah, like I do online coaching. So at like Instagram pages, Hard Knocks Throws. Uh, we do online coaching. Uh, and a lot of guys are doing it right now. Mm -hmm. You just got to find the right fit for you yeah. and kind of, you know, and see who's who. Uh, the guys that don't have any coaches, the kids that don't have any coaches, you need to reach out, um, you know, see what the coach can do for you. That's what you have to do. And it's like, it's like recruiting uh, for university. You have to click with the coach too. I think. Mm -hmm. And if, if you don't, uh, it's just going to, you're going to resent the whole time you're doing it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and so if you're lucky enough to have a coach during this time and, and most people aren't, mm -hmm. uh, my kids are lucky enough to live with me and mm -hmm. use my facility. So, yeah. uh, we don't have that issue, yeah. but, uh, there's always, uh, online coaches who, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is these days is everybody needs to make a living and mm -hmm. uh, they're going to cost a bit of money. <clears throat> Uh, so try and find the great one who's the cheapest one mm -hmm. and they'll give you the right stuff to do and mm -hmm. you just got to be patient and I think that's the biggest thing people want to pay the whatever it is per month and do it one month and uh, hopefully it works out where it's not like that's how it is it's going to be months of hard work and yeah. go get massive rewards later mm -hmm. no I, I completely million percent agree with that how important it is to reach out not to wait uh, you have mm -hmm. Uh, only certain period of time that you develop your skills and you make that signature, right? If you're, if you're doing a mistake and you're not, you don't know because nobody's giving you feedback, you're mm. going to keep doing it for you know, a year or two, uh, you know, pull to the side, right? And that's, that's going to become so hard to, to change. Oh, yeah. Um, so definitely. And somebody like Julian Diego, right? The javelin thrower from Kenya. He was watching a lot of online uh, throws, right? He would watch YouTube, reach out to these coaches online from Finland, and eventually he did end up going to Finland after he threw 80 meters on his mm -hmm. own. Uh, but he used uh, resources online. So um. it's, it's crucial. Yeah. And they're endless right now. It's, it's one thing I can say though, don't try and mimic a thrower. Like you yeah. look at Daniel Stahl. I mean, uh, did you see his video of him doing push press with 120 the other day? He's unbelievable. He's an alien. Uh, those strength levels are astronomically you see the other 350 he's like doing four reps he can it's, it's crazy yeah how strong is he he's strong enough to throw 97 meters but is he gonna do that i don't think so yes he, 
Yeah, he's so strong. So yeah. don't try to mimic him. Obviously, you're not as strong as him, and you can't do the things he does. Like, same thing with Riedel, Schultz, Lechner, even yeah. uh, Dekris. He, um, yeah. There's something very special about him. He's, he's quite strong, mm-hmm. um, deceivingly. He's quite tall, and he's quite big, and he's uber fast. Yeah. What sets him apart is he gets over the left, and his right foot in the middle is astonishing. Yes. Um, so you got you to gotta find... Uh, I think a coach, uh, and you got to work with them. I mean, it's good to see uh, snippets of people doing it, like Adam Nelson back in the day doing the shot. Yeah, you're like, I'm gonna like Adam Nelson. No, you're not, because you can't do that. Only he could do it. So. Yeah, I think that's what what kids don't realize is the work that goes behind Stahl, behind Fedrick, right? Behind yeah. those guys. That's something you don't see as much, right? And day to day throws, right? Like how do you spend? Uh, and you, you were throwing 100 throws. That's, that's incredible. Let's say you're throwing 30 to 40 throws a day, right? They don't put the whole session online, right? That's an hour and a half, four months. Yeah. So you don't know what's going on in there, right? So they're, or four, five, six months, they're putting work. And, they, you know, you see that one throw 70 meters. Um, so there's so many things going into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one's going to put their low light reel on Instagram. Well, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or bad throws or bad lifts, right? <laughs> I threw 53 meters from a stand and then I threw 75. Like it's no. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, the craziest stand you've ever seen or, or heard about? Uh, like you know, this the other day. Yeah, 67. Rigo was about 63. Uh, Adam Shetlock was in around 62. Uh, Casey Malone was 60s. I saw everybody throw. Franz Kruger was 60s, low 60s. I mean, my best stand uh, was an accident. It was 58. Uh, maybe 10 and uh, I averaged about 55 and that was me like if I threw 55 meters from a stand throw I was ready to go 55 non-reverse or 55 reverse I, did, I didn't know how to reverse in a stand all non-reverse Jurgen Schultz the day he threw 71 30 at world champs he stood through 50 and he was ecstatic really ecstatic that is, like, that is so interesting here how you said yeah. somebody like uh, Cantor I, I know he threw he he wouldn't throw far from the stand throw in warm-ups no. I don't know what his best was no, I don't think he had a big stand. Any Bloom stand throw was like 41. It was horrendous. I mean, it was, I mean maybe a little farther than that, but we were, yeah. we, were in, we were in Japan, and he was doing stands, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's been doing stands. I'm like, is that as far as you throw from a stand throw? He's like, yeah. I'm like, holy. But he threw 68 or 9 meters. So. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the, yeah, one of the first yeah. throwers. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And then it's also, I guess, how you use what well, you have to learn – and you can't if you don't have a coach that experience. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses, right? And if you're, you know, somebody has an incredible upper body, somebody has really quick feet, somebody has long arms, so you, you throw differently with different Absolutely. things that you have, right? Yeah, the mechanics make up a huge deal. And I think as a coach like you guys, yeah. uh, the new generation of coaches there and the ones that are successful can, can pinpoint what you need to work on. Everybody has different physical, physical attributes, <clears throat> and you have to do the technique that works for that person. And it's going to be different from this person here. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how old were you when you started? Um, 15. 15. What would be the age that uh, you think it's good to start? I know some, somebody like Wolfgang Smith, right? He, he was doing – he was seven years old, whatever, whatever he started, right? Yeah. Ryan Krauser, same thing. His parents were throwers. He started very young. What's the age do you think they can it's, play it's, around with this? Cause yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean – if you can find the right atmosphere and the right coach, yeah, yeah. grade seven, grade eight, yeah, I yeah. think it's a good time to start. I mean, uh, yeah. ten years old for my youngest one, it's it's 
yeah, it's it's tough because it, I have to I have to really make sure she doesn't uh, do things that are going to injure her. Yeah. Um, so you know, she she does a lot of different stuff, and she her attention span is that of a ten year old. She takes five throws and lays in the grass playing with weeds. I mean, that what is it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, great. Play training. around, yeah. You play, yeah. You play around with it. Um, in terms of injuries, now that's always you know a big fear for everybody. Yeah. yeah, you have quite a few of them, man. Um, yeah. That you uh, that you uh, persevere through, right? You you were get you go to surgery, you came back. How do you how do you avoid? Uh, can you avoid injuries? And then how do you deal with them mentally and physically, obviously, but mentally as well? Every athlete's going to get injured. It's just you can't be scared of it because it's going to happen. If you fear that you might get injured doing something, you're never going to, I think, uh, fully embrace what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the nature of the beast every athlete every sport it's how you if you do happen to get injured hopefully you don't if you do it's all about the recovery and, and rehab and uh, i think uh, danny samuels is the australian girl she's a disc girl australia she's yep. she's a phenomenal athlete she gets injured she's injured she is very smart about not competing she just kind of waits it off and that's why she's been so successful yeah, yeah. someone like myself i would get injured or ankle surgery. I remember having my second ankle surgery and I was doing uh, snatches and sprints on it like two weeks later to the point where it's like bleeding out of my, sh like my sock and my shoe. Uh, is that what you should be doing? Absolutely not. Yeah. I was fearful that I was going to get surpassed by everybody else. Mm. The reality was it was pulling myself back and making it worse. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's why you were a champion, right? Like, but you have to have a, in hindsight now, obviously, if you knew you would do it differently, but you have to have that courage to push yourself, right? Mm. But also be smart or have a coach say like, hey, that's that's good. That's good for yeah, today, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. And my coaches were like, you know, I just wouldn't listen. Like Dave was like, hey, you should you know, take it. I'm like, no, that's okay. To the point where I think I was getting like, I would get in trouble showing up at the track. He's like, you can come Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. If I see you here Wednesday, yeah. You can't train Thursday or Friday, so I have to like I have to skip a day. Just did it was terrible uh, for someone that was used to training all the time. Yeah. And uh, I think you guys now and coaches now, like myself, we throw maybe three times a week, mm -hmm. and they have to know that there's rest days involved. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah. that's that's so important to to realize that you do need a rest, and uh, but you need to, you know you need to train, but you have to rest as much as you need to train, right? So Absolutely. your resting is building your muscles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a, despite all that, the injury that you had and uh, some things that you could have done better in terms of injuries, you still threw so long for so far. Uh, how was it, um, how that transition from college to being professional, is it worth it, <laughs> right? So you, these days you have these athletes, you know, they're starving, so, uh, striving to throw far for Olympics. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, uh, how it is, uh, how was it for you? How it much changed you, how much you gained traveling the world and stuff like that, right? Uh, I was fortunate uh, enough to, uh, to, it's about money too, right? I was fortunate enough to get some funding at home. So we have our, uh, our carding program, mm -hmm. which I got instantly. And then I was fortunate enough to pick up some sponsors. So I made decent money for quite a while. And then as you have that, uh, that cushion, yeah. off your back a monkey off your back about finances you're free to train and uh, the farther you throw the better you place at major meets the more sponsors you pick up and yeah that's how it goes so luckily for me i was sponsored by you know like by nike and, and mm -hmm. red bull and 
yeah. insurance companies here. And I had like, I had a good gig there for a while. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was just about uh, picking the right meats and making sure we did the right Grand Prix mm. and uh, trying to throw well at those Grand Prix and, and, and uh, staying uh, home when you had to. The only problem I think with North Americans really is when we go to Europe, uh, we have to stay there. And you have to, like, everybody else, you're not in your own bed. You're, I mean, where Europeans kind of can travel back and forth. That's the only disadvantage I see to that, where we have uh, Prefontaine, where some people would come over. Now, Prefontaine's done a great job of being yeah. more talent overly, um, where they didn't used to. It was mostly mostly Americans. Uh, the greatest time I had at Prefontaine was 2001. I had a left in the beat uh, for a while. And it was like, just we went back and forth like this yeah. until you put it out of, out of, like, out of show for... I think fifth round through 67, but I was ahead of him for quite a while, almost mm-hmm. 66. And that was a good meet for Prefontaine there for a while. Yeah. Typically, it was all Americans. Yeah. So, what you see, yes. Uh, well, I've seen that, and you can see these results less. There's less, obviously, fire throws from North Americans when they come to Europe, exactly mm-hmm. for that reason, right? You have to accumulate, for, uh, uh, acclimate first the time, and then now you got to find a place to train. Uh, you have to, you know, cook for yourself or don't. You got to find food, so you have to live in Europe uh, for for yeah. some times, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's typically about a month or so, um, and it's it's difficult. It's uh, it's it's not a training center we're going to. You're you're going to do three or four meets uh, in that time frame, and uh, you're not in your your you're in a hotel or hotel or hotel. Yeah. And, you're eating hotel food typically. And, and, you know, the, the joke of the North Americans going to Europe is we had a lot of bread and butter. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy eating chicken and my breakfasts most times were like ham and, uh, on bread and butter. Like it yeah. was just, yeah. wasn't like much. and then of course I lived over in Europe there for a while. So yeah, uh, you yeah. get used to that uh, lifestyle, but it's, uh, it's, that's shocking. Yeah. having to go there every year and a lot of your a lot of north americans don't want to do it they didn't want to back in the day yeah uh, Gadina was very much against it he hated going to europe mm-hmm. nelson didn't love going to europe mm-hmm. um i think uh the new generation of throwers i think they don't mind it uh, mm-hmm. but it's a necessity now yeah yeah, yeah. how uh, were your experiences what was your some favorite trips or favorite meets that you competed at or some craziest meets with the rain or or with just a group of people or uh, I've had a couple. I, mean, I was talking to the kids the other day about uh, I was competing against Riedel in uh, in uh, Wiesbaden, and we got there. And it was it was a thunderstorm, like it was a thunderstorm. Uh, and I went to the meet where I said, "Hey, like we're not going to compete in this, are we? Because it's pouring rain." Yeah. He said, "Of course we are." And I'm like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> so we get there, and it's pouring, and uh, I get in the ring, and it's it's like. Full of water. Oh my God, oh, that's a nightmare. So I'm in a pair of running shoes at this point, and Riedel's in a pair of his like Asics shoes, and he's got special <laughs> rain. <laughs> it's awful. I remember because yeah. I remember this whole story because his son was there, and this was <laughs> in 2002. Anyways, I um, I kept I had a water bottle, and they would keep out the rain and be kind of grassy, and I took a water bottle and I kept dumping the water back in. What? Oh, because they were oh they were cleaning, but they were, yeah. they were cleaning it, but it was like super slick from the, yeah. the grass in there. So I just kept flooding it back up. So it would just like it would, the particles would float, so I could grab the ground. Oh. Uh, and I was ahead of him with like maybe 
63 or so until his last round he threw like 64 10 and he came out like you know he did that thing where he pumped his oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. high five his kid and i was like come on so then i was like oh, i'll remember that one for a while because you know i had him up against the ropes for a little bit yeah finish him. that's so impressive 63 on a rain you know that's that's really impressive that's it really was a good meet yeah i threw well um but i had thrown like 66 a couple of times prior to going over there uh mm-hmm. so i expected to throw a little farther um I always enjoy throwing against John Godina. He always threw well. He always came to he always came to throw far. Yeah. Uh, and as I got older, I remember we would have some great meets. I would say my most memorable meet was uh, Paul Alto in two thousand and one. Okay. It was a Grand Prix, and that was there was no wind at that meet, and that's when John was in. He was, he was in great shape. He he came out and I think he threw uh, twenty two meters that year in a shot or something. Um, and uh, I had I had done very well on a string of meets down the West Coast, and I had thrown very far, very consistently. And we went to this Palo Alto, and uh, uh, there was a tailwind for the first round, which had stopped, and everybody mm-hmm. kind of kind of junky. And then um, I hadn't lost to John in a couple years, and uh, he came out in round two or three and threw sixty-seven zero, and I was like, "There's no way, there's no way wow. this guy's gonna beat me again." And uh, I had thrown sixty-five in round two. So it was round three, and in round three, I threw 67, 70, and um, nice. yeah, I came out of the ring pretty, pretty excited, and he was pretty excited to the point where I jumped in his arms for a hug. So okay, oh, that's yeah, it was, awesome. it was a funny, but uh, I would say that was probably my best performance yeah. uh, in very much still conditions. So that one, I think, in, in you know your typical yeah. or, or Salinas wins. Oh, that's over. 71, 72. That's yeah. <clears throat> 68 meters like that, almost with no wind. That's yeah, so. that was pretty much the uh, that was pretty much the. Uh, the big deal. And then I was eating dinner and I, I kind of was reading some internet stuff and I saw that Fazekas had thrown 68 that, that same day. I'm like, who's Fazekas? And then all of a sudden you see, you know who Fazekas is, right? And that was the, you said that was 2001, right? It was 2001, yeah. So that was Edmonton. You were in really good shape then. You were, I was. In, you were in the final I, and the world championships, right? Yeah, I had a, it's, it's, I had a pec minor tear. Um, that I had done in uh, about three days before qualifying with, uh, with oh. 1.8. Um, <clears throat> I was with Don, I was training with Don that year and we had, uh, we did some really great things and, uh, uh, he wasn't on board with all the light stuff all the time. And I was, Are you, I, you're a little too strong for that. Huh? Right in the money. Yeah. Because I, I was about three days out and I was trying to just hammer the finish. And for some reason, I just, I pulled that. Uh, and uh, I went through qualifying and tweaked it again. Um, I qualified pretty easily, I think, with sixty yeah. or something. And then we got to the final, and uh, I just I couldn't put it together. And even if I was maxed out, I would have only thrown sixty-five. Uh, and at that time prior, we were like Don and I, we were like sixty-eight near shape, I think for sure, because we yeah. had some training throws in Georgia, oh, thirty or forty in dead wind. So yeah. I was ready to go. So it was pretty pretty bad. I remember. I remember uh, Alekna came over and kind of grabbed my shoulder. Ah, oh, it's okay. And I was like, get out of here. So it, yeah. And I think <laughs> I, I, beat it, you. I, like I had a, I had a bad experience. Yeah. So yeah. No, I remember that. I remember watching that throw from a uh, qualifying 60, yeah. 65, 64. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was easy too. Uh, yeah. It wasn't tough. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, now was, yeah. you're talking about John Godina and Andy Bloom. And uh, many people know this. Some might not know that you were a very good shopper too, right? You threw over 19 with a 16-pound. Yeah. How much time did you spend on the shot? Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I had a really bad hand injury in high school. So I, I threw like 19 and a half in high school. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I, I never really trained with the, I trained the first couple of years. And then mm-hmm. I hurt my, my, my middle finger to the point where I could only compete in meets. And uh, for some reason it would just swell up and I couldn't hold a shot. And when I got to SMU, Dave was like, I need you for a shot. I'm like, well, I really kind of can't. Yeah. Uh, so we tried rotating and I threw like 60 feet and then I, I, yeah. and I just basically stopped training. And uh, we went to Texas Relays where I threw 19 whatever. Yeah. And I remember warming up at 65 feet from a glide. And I was like, hey, Dave, day, day. that was like the easiest 60 foot I've ever had. You can go 65 feet. Wow. Then of wow. course I'm like, I could throw, you know, 20, 50, watch this. And that was yeah. my, that's my MO, right? I would, I would have these massive warm up throws and then try and show the world I could throw five meters farther. Mm. It just backfired. Yeah. Um, and as I got older, I threw shot. I, I, I remember spinning um, against Rutger at his Dutch nationals and had not even picked a shot. And I threw almost 19 meters from a spin. So, uh, and I spun in high school at a meet and threw 1950. I really could have probably, I shot, I probably should have spun. Yeah. Okay. and learn how to do it properly and i think i would have thrown quite far um we trained with uh, astrid kubernus um yeah she was awesome awesome <laughs> train with and her coach um was very fun to train with too and i remember throwing in some shot meets there and he's he was pretty adamant that i should throw a shot like 21 and i'm like i just don't like it but yeah heavy and you guys are crazy yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I had a thrower here, Philip. Um, uh, yes, he loved shot put. He, I think, still he can still switch. He's uh, he just threw twenty one eighty four in shot. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, he's a beast. He's long. Yeah, Jason, he's two or three long the, arms. He's a discus thrower. Yeah, that throws shot put. I believe. I believe. Right, but he doesn't like discus as much. Uh, he yeah, threw sixty three seventy. Into the ra- into the uh, into the side wind from the left side at the, in Oregon, right, Eugene? You yeah, there. yeah, crazy with those levers though. Just stay down and boom. Ah, uh, no. And then he would throw very narrow, right? Uh, we threw once a once a week. His last his senior year, he just loved shot put. Right? Obviously, he threw far. Yeah, he was a world indoor bronze medalist in shot put, right? So he's very successful. Isn't that right? Once a week. Good lord. But that that was it. I'm like, please, let's do more. Like, yeah, coaching. <laughs> No, <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. He, that's that's all good for me. Yeah, he's doing. He's having some success with the shot right now. Anyways, right. So, so how uh, having that experience? How would you? A lot of kids in high school that throw a discus and shot, right? Yeah. How do you balance that? Which which? Uh, how many throws? How do you do? One day one, one another day other, or or you switch it? Yeah, I like to do both. Um, indoors, obviously, we we spent more time throwing shot. Um, and the same thing goes, I worked a lot of stands, uh, just to learn the mechanics of actually how to push the ball Okay. okay. as a, as a clean this way versus a shift on it. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do that. Right. So I think if you can treat that, uh, it's tough to really think about, but if you can treat that stand throw, like where you kind of just, it's a more of a clean motion up yeah. and over top of left, I think that's kind of how I think of it. Uh, then it's, um, it's easier to teach. Uh, outdoors is a bit different, right? I'm going to have Jules uh, spin and she wants to spin. Um, and I think that's the, if you have a woman who can maximize Handle, that, because right? a lot of women are just too flexible. Mm. Right? They don't have that, that good stretch reflex. And ah, okay. uh, yeah. it's one of those things I think uh, you're going to have to take X amount of throws in both. And if you can't do that as you get older, like in high school, I'm going to have her throw shot, then discus, then shot, then. And I think that's the best way to go. Um, 
And it turns your brain off too. You're not thinking, okay, I just finished discus, this is the work done. I have to go to transfer to shot. And it's a totally different uh, same day, right? Yeah. Like the rotation in, in both events is completely different than how you actually attack the middle of the ring. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just in, in my mind. I mean, the discus is you're more of a sprint and leave it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the shot, you want to kind of land on top of that right, right? And yeah. uh, so it's you can't have them thinking two different ideas on the same day really Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's great that's a great point um yeah you can see that you can see that a lot uh with the kids that are doing both they're jumping in this because it's easier to jump right Mm -hmm. so it's easier to go with it and they they take that into discus and it's just kind of uh makes it so hard to throw discus far it's impossible yeah yeah uh so the reality is you have a lot of good kids who could throw very far they're just kind of i think they're mixing up the ideas um and then you're losing a lot of, of really good talent on just misdirected thoughts, I think. One, one thing, we're going to get a little technical here. So uh-huh. and I love that you posted the other day that you, uh, on your Hard Knocks uh, Instagram account, that you changed your technique a couple of times. Mm-hmm. What were you looking for? Because there was a point that you were a little bit wider. There was a point when you and Alex and all you guys, and then we had to do it because you guys are doing it. You, you, you were so narrow, it. right? Uh, so what were you looking for there? What, what changed? Uh, I started off wide when I was younger, and I, I think like uh, Frederick is—he's—he's he's great. He's very wide. Uh, yes, yeah. he maximizes that length. Um, uh, Jurgen Schultz was wide. Like all these guys were just wide stance guys, and I think that's if you're gonna if you're gonna move your body weight from right to left, that's uh-huh. kind of how you have to do it. Um, I started that way, and then I had ankle operation, ankle operation, ankle operation. And I had to move in because I just couldn't, I couldn't hold my weight ah, on my left foot anymore. Okay. And I had to make it faster. So in Sydney, I was quite narrow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, all we worked on was like just, and it was completely unorthodox. Usually, you want to open that left side and keep the right foot grounded so yeah. you can get that right foot nice and high. And we didn't yeah. do that. As soon as I got to like ten o'clock, my right foot came up and kind yeah. of moved to one unit. And it worked well for me, and I didn't have a lot of problems with that ankle, and I mm-hmm. kind of stuck with that uh, for the most part of my career. And yeah. then I uh, with Don, and we worked on kind of just getting nice and low, trying to maximize the distance out of the ring. Um, and it it worked until I I left the year after, and I didn't I just I couldn't I couldn't really see what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I was very comfortable staying more upright and turning so i kind of i just kind of used his idea and then my idea and then just developed awesome. to something different for 2002 three four and five and six yeah and what you saw after that was, was what it was yeah that is I, I i can't even put this into words how different level this is right like i, I you can't because you're looking for something that you know it only fits you right so you don't have somebody who's doing it like nobody's or not many people at the time. Also, only you and Tamar were like, you know, literally, you guys were like this between, yeah. right? And boom, you're throwing 68, you know, you're throwing 72s in practice. Alex threw 70, right? Um, that was that was such an incredible thing that you – unorthodox, right? Um, it was, yeah. It has to take guts, and, man, it takes genius to do that. That is well, – you, you were your own Dave coach, basically. I, I started doing it, and Dave, Dave Wallman kind of uh, – like I started, I just getting, I kept getting injured and moving it in. He's like, and it started to work a bit. And he's like, look at, let's try this. And he went outside the box and just kind of, he, he's developed his own, his own idea with that, right? He has his own yeah. online deal where he coaches with that real narrow stance and that left foot, yeah. you just pop it in and, and you kind of sprint away. And 
And uh, it works for, you know, some people it works really well for Alex it worked as he got older, it worked extremely well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Michael Roberts, was, right? American yeah, champion also. Yeah, that guy could do business from 66 meters, but he did it and he, he was, he was good. Like he, he yeah. maximized that technique perfectly. Um, Hannes Hopley. Also. NCAA record holder, right? 67, 60. Meter, whatever it was like just, he threw a mile for, you know, for being five foot two or whatever he was. Yeah. I don't know how tall he was, but he threw very far. Uh, I remember in Sydney, he threw, was it Sydney? Or he 2004. Was, you know, at Athens Olympics, he was in finals. Yeah, he threw very far there too. Yeah. Um, so, and then he just kind of stopped throwing. But it's a, it's a technique that works. It works for some. And if you have, and the same thing, you get the patience to do it, then, then you got to do it. But uh, it was very hard to grasp um, because the movements happen so quick. Like, like you, boom, and then you, you attack, come, right? You're on your left instantly, and you have to learn how to to get off and recover in the middle, and, and utilize the center too. Because what you're doing, you're you're going quick off the lap, but your right foot is getting out, right? So you're like spreading yourself in two different directions, right? Instantly, yeah, absolutely. And it's I remember that's one thing me and Don looked at. He's we were looking at tape from 2000. He goes, he started laughing. He's like, this is. Uh, he goes. <laughs> He goes, you could have thrown like 68, but uh, it's, it's, you know, you're kind of, he goes, this technique is so spotty. You're either going to hit it or you're going to miss it. And if you miss yeah. it, you're going to miss it completely. And if you hit it, you've got to be, you got you to mess that. Yeah. No, that's, that's one. I mean, that's, like I said, it's mind blowing how you were able to do that. And anybody who, who does things like that, right? Like Junior, Julian Rook kind of experimented. It was Eric Cadet, but it was Rudger Smith. Those guys started with Orbit, right? That was, Kind mm-hmm. of hard, those dogs, but not really, because kind of alt order was kind of doing that, right? Yeah. But you just have to be brave to go into that. That is. You, you got to, I think, and and that's part of training. I think you know you, you're gonna throw so far, and if you want to throw farther, you have to experiment to see what your yeah. body can do. Um, and I, I think like coaches uh, at a high school level uh, or online coaches, I mean, they have to see what you can do, and it's video feedback that will do that. And if they can see what kind of attributes you have, you should be asking too. If you're a high school kid and you're looking for a coach, the coach should be asking you a plethora of items like what's your best staying long jump currently, like what your strength level is like, uh, what's your speed like, how tall are you, and how much do you weigh. These are the these are the five or six things you need to know. Um, and then let me see a, a side view and a, and a back view. Let me see what you can do. Yeah. Once you get these items, a coach at that point in time will say, "Well, okay." Let's try this and let's see what this does. And then uh, once they solidify a technique, then you have to build on it from that point. It's always a puzzle, right? Yeah. 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 It's a uh, talk to this about uh, with Coach Mo from Cal, right? The throwing becomes base. It's an art and it's a science, right? So it's mm-hmm. art in a way that you, as a coach and, and as an athlete, right, you got to figure out what works for you. But it's science also because you know you already have some data in the back that that you know that worked or will definitely not work, right? Or uh, so oh, yeah. it saves time all the time when you have somebody to understand that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you've got uh, like a database of, of information, mm-hmm. all you have to do is just kind of try different things. And then if you've got uh, the right athletes willing to listen and willing to try, it's always going to be a step or two back before you take off with it. But if it works for you, it's going to be huge. So, Jason, talk to us about that incredible. We, uh, I talked to this with, with uh, Lucas and John mm-hmm. Newell. In 2000, early 2000, you had an incredible training group. Something like that, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to happen. How, how was that? How was training in Georgia? Uh, training in Georgia at that time, it was, um, 
I kind of handpicked the coaches. Like I remember interviewing Don at, and this is stupid, at uh, Junior Nationals. I saw him. And I knew Brad Snyder was there. Brad's been a, a friend of mine or was a friend of mine for many, many years because we kind of grew up together here. Yeah. I knew he was there and I talked to Brad and I said, hey, I'd like to come down and train with you. He's like, awesome, come on down. Yeah. Great. But I talked to Don, I said, look, I'd like to come down and train with you. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. It's awesome. Okay, yeah. so we get there. I get there and I hadn't met bro. I Wait, I met bro once I, and I thought this guy, you know, because you can take- how, how interesting is he? He's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal guy. Uh, and a weird cat. Yeah. So I love the guy, but he, he can, he can, he, you know, if you don't know him, he, yeah. yeah. So we get there and, uh, within a year we have Adam Nelson, Bro Greer, Reese Hoffa, uh, Brad, uh, yeah. Have Andre, was there, yeah, right? Luke, and then you have John. I mean, the group was awesome. And you may think we have these crazy parties and stuff. We didn't, I mean, we would get together on weekends and, play cards or whatever, but it was like, it was yeah. very tame and, and we, everybody had a goal and yes. uh, everybody was there to absolutely kick ass and mm-hmm. uh, everybody was, was a superstar in their yeah. own right. Right. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. And then that's, and that's exactly how I got so strong. I remember Adam was, Adam was strong in certain lifts. His clean was crappy. Yeah. His incline was incredible, right? Incline bench, like 235 it, or something like that. It, Adam was great. He had a huge squat and a big bench. Yeah, in high school squat, right? He high school he squatted six sixty for ten or something like that. Something ridiculously strong. I remember he, but you know, he's five ten or six feet tall. He's I always say this: his range of motion wasn't that much. But no, Adam was uh, extremely gifted and extremely hard worker. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy that would take chances and try different things to see if it works. And good for him. Uh, bro, didn't love uh, traditional weightlifting. Um, he just, he was a great, great, great arm. I mean, the guy had a, had a artist. Gift. Yeah. He had a gift. And, uh, you know, the guy, I remember watching him having like, I want to say like a 65 or 70 meter stand or something. Just. Yeah. He stand through one case over 60 meters. One K ball over 60 meters. Yeah. yeah. Like his, his, his javelins were, his, his arm was, was astonishing. Yeah. Uh, and then Reese kind of developed into, as I was leaving, he developed into who he became, which was like, he was the best of the group all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He picked up, I think he picked up on that energy as well because that defined him in the college. He was, he was good. And then did. after that, I mean, just, he just kind of blew up and uh, it, it was hard not to, I mean, you didn't want to be the, the loser of the group. Yeah. And you know, we had um, like Brad, myself could both clean 190 on any given day. And that's, you know, you walk into a training room, you see guys lifting that much weights or, you know, and everybody had a 500 pound bench. Yeah. Like it was not, I mean, if you didn't bench 500 pounds top end your workout with the four guys over there, well, you sucked. And you don't, you don't believe that's not, that it's impossible for you anymore, right? Like when you see that firsthand and like, oh, Jason's doing it, I'm going to do it, right? Yeah. No, it's true. Cause you're like, well, this guy's, you know, his levers are so long. Uh, and I, it turned my cleaner on. I'm like, I was, like I said, I was a 160 clean. 160 and uh, you just like, like, well, he can do it. I mean, why can't I do this? And you yeah. just learn and you just yeah. keep pushing. And it turns into, you know, I remember I did it. I remember I missed one. I missed 200. I went from 180 to 200. And Brad was watching. Yeah. And I missed the first one. I'm like, geez, you know, I can get this. And I hit the second one. I caught him, you know, fought up under it. And I dropped it. And he goes, you know, if I hadn't been here, I wouldn't have believed it. And I'm wow. like, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't think I ever got it again. I, I used to work up to 190 and, and 180s because that's 
but yeah, that is so impressive. I've I've seen some people do it, right? Uh, rarely throwers, right? You'll see lifters do that, but throwers does. No, I was in I was in um, Zog. No, I was in a meeting in Spain with Cantor, maybe maybe Gabor. I forget. And uh, <laughs> cleans, great Cantor was doing cleans. He wasn't a notorious strong guy. Yeah, yeah. And he was doing cleans, and I think he was doing like one. 70 he might have he might have hit it and i walked over and i was i was wearing like uh waffles like running shoes oh my god and uh i was like is that like that's your top end clean yeah. and he said yeah he's like what's yours i said oh, you know like 200 kilos so what's on the bar right now i said uh he was like i forget what it was 170 maybe yeah 170 and i said easily i could easily do 180 he goes let me see so i did i left my shoes untied i used his belt and used his straps i cleaned it and he goes how come you're not the world champion and i said i just don't know that is a good question, right? <laughs> I don't know. Better than me, technically. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's for sure, right? You had all those, and you have to be quick. You have to be fast to be able to clean that much, right? That's not a slow lift. No. Uh, you definitely had, that's a great indicator of how far you can throw. Obviously, you have thrown far, so over 70 meters on practices, 72. Uh, you just said you, you hadn't had that, right? Would you, no, do you no, think no. you would have benefited? I'm sure, I'm sure the answer is yes. If you had a system, set up like Cantor, like Germans, like Alecta, right? They become in one club. They know what they're doing. They set them up. They have trainers. They have masseuses, training camps, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's massive. I mean, if you, and, and that's what makes those guys so good. Like Stahl has the same thing. They're all set. If yeah. you can get into a system where you have your massage therapy, and, and, and I remember Cantor, or uh, Alecta's guy, used to travel with him. He worked yes. on him before, yeah, worked on him yeah, after. Yeah. I mean, the guy was nonstop working on his mobility because this yeah. guy worked on him with him. And his this guy, he was, I think he just, I think he passed away a number of years ago. But in training sessions, he wouldn't coach him. He'd have tennis balls. And uh, he would stay in the field and he would throw and he would throw a tennis ball where it landed. And then I think he would just try and throw farther than his tennis ball. He'd just throw tennis balls. <laughs> and that was how they coached wow. him. It was ridiculous. Wow. And uh, like Esan, right? Hadadi, um, he yeah. travels yeah. with his masseuse the whole time. He, right. he lives with him. The Federation pays for a masseuse and a coach, right? Um, so that, that makes <laughs> I guess. Really? I mean, how? So, this is what, what, what impresses me a lot of things that's impressive about you, obviously, uh, your career. Uh, what I'm most impressed as I'm getting to that age uh, that you were able to, you know, not many people throw over 60, uh, over 60 meters when they're 40 plus. Right. And you were able right. to do that. Well, how, yeah. uh, how did you motivate yourself? <laughs> um, Some people go to marathon runs and stuff like that, but you were like, no, I retired. I retired from throwing cause I, I broke my back. Um, and I retired from, from throwing in 2000 and, you know, nine, then 10, then 11. I just, I, I, I always wanted to keep throwing. Yeah. And uh, I felt it was always one of those things that was taken from me. And I kind of wanted to stop on my, and every athlete wants to stop on their own. Terms, yeah. it really happens. You, you're basically forced out of your sport because you're injured. That's how it goes. And um, I would train with Tony Torelli uh, multiple times. I trained with Tony from 2000 two to 2010 or whatever. We used to go there all the time and I would train. He'd, he'd eyeball my throwing. Uh, I learned a lot from him. People don't know this, but him and his wife are both like certified Olympic weightlifting coaches. Okay. Uh, so when he does, like if you're listening, if you're watching him stuff, do cleans and snatches, you should listen to him because all his athletes were monster strong and mm -hmm. Olympic mm -hmm. And I'd, 
go there and we would chit chat and he's, and I would take some throws here and there. And I think they came across and he's like, you know, he was, I asked him one day, I reached out and I said, would you mind coaching me online? Yeah. He had in the past. And he said, you know, you're 40 plus and 40 years old. There was, I think it was 40 because Rutger was still training there. And he said, I still think he can throw 65 or six. And I said, well, maybe you never know. Yeah. So we went down there. I trained into a net all, all year and we went down there and jeez, uh, I don't know what a year it was. Maybe four years ago, I was just 40. And we had a meet, and Jason, uh, uh, Eric's kid, um, Harold. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was there, Rutger was there, and maybe myself, we had a meet. And uh, it was, you see, uh, they sent the guy down to market and gave work, and it was a real, it was a real deal. Yeah. And I think I threw 6008, and uh, that's like, about the time I was, geez, I can keep, I think I can keep throwing. And of course, I got injured and got injured and yeah. got injured. Yeah, but uh, it's tough. Like it's your body just doesn't cooperate beyond a certain age. And uh, I, I find myself, I still throw with the kids now, and I'd like to keep trying it now. I mean, trying it. You threw how far did you throw? Two point two. Of day in the snow. What yeah. was that? Yeah, yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, close to fifty meters. That's so, that's really impressive. I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I have no real issues. I'm since I'm at, this is a, this is a funny story since like we're not working right. Cause this, this COVID is, is kind of shutting down. So my gym has been shut down uh, for a while. Um, it's tough cause you need the people to kind of pay your bills and yeah. that's yeah. kind of slowly, kind of, you know, moving away. So um, in the meantime, I used to get up at four every morning and go to work. Uh, since then I've been sleeping. And uh, obviously, my body is starting to repair itself uh, after okay, 10 years yeah. of working on that. So uh, I find that I'm throwing. And I did the first day as a joke. And I threw the 2K probably 44 meters. I couldn't even turn. I'm like, I, I suck at this. I don't know what happened to me. And then I've had like five sessions. And, uh, you know, I can probably throw in, in the right conditions 54, 55 with the two. Yeah. So I said to Julia and Braden, I'm like, look, I'll, um, I'll keep doing it. And then in August, if I feel like I'm in okay shape, I'll, uh, I'll try and compete. And, yeah. you know, I'm able to squat again, which I haven't done in, I don't know how many years I've been, I'm doing cleans, which I haven't done in like a million years. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I'm not real strong cause I'm not really pushing it, but I mean, if I go slow with it, who knows? Like I, uh, I always see myself throwing 60 again, but like, your your body is some slow. Yeah, it takes a little longer. Yeah, it, yeah. I just I don't have that uh, that gear to get across the ring and turn. I'm not a kid anymore, and uh, it's it's that's the hardest thing I think uh, at our age is, yeah. is um, you you think you can do something and your body just doesn't want to do it, doesn't cooperate. Yeah. So uh, it's I often joke with my like kids. I'm like, you know, I used to be something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's impressive. And I think it's in our blood, right? Like when you do something that long, I remember in 2009, I went uh, to train up with Mac Wilkins, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, California, my coach at Cal was um, uh, Ed uh, um, he, Miller. He, he wasn't a discus thrower. He was a coach of uh, Chris Huffins, actually, the decathlon, yeah. but he was yeah. the throws coach at the time. He's like, hey, I know Mac Wilkins really well. Let me, you know, hook you up over there. I went there, and at this time, Mac is already 55, 56, maybe. And he's doing step-ups with us. He's doing cleans with us. He's not doing it heavy, right? Yeah. 
but he said step up he did 140 kilos i'm like what is going on he would do oh, sleds, really? you know, sleds with us and he just loved it like he would he would get that hour and that would be like his meditation right like he would yeah he's still, still strong but he just he loved it right so that was part of him and seeing that in in him he made me work so much harder because i like this guy really loves what he's doing He's yeah. enjoying it. This is part of him. And he's giving back to all those kids that he built that center. Uh, he's coaching all these kids you know, basically for free. He had offers from, I'm sure, like yourself. You can coach yeah. in college with no problem. Like, I would sign up at your university. But he decided to stay and build his club. He had a family there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it made so much to me to see that, like, oh, this is awesome. Like, he understands me, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think that's yeah. also what you have inside as well. Like, you just love this sport so much. Yeah, I do. Like it's uh, it's one of those things when you grow up with it. Yeah. Uh, you you truly love the event, uh, and it's uh, it is. It's like your meditation for the day. And if you're capable of doing it, then then why not, right? Yeah. Um, it's just you have to be comfortable with who you are now, and not what you used to be, yeah. because that that guy is long gone, right? So yeah. um, you just yeah. need to create someone new. Well, Jason, thank you so much. I, again, mm-hmm. we had uh, I had so much. I was looking up to you as a kid, obviously from Georgia. We were looking up to your technique. You messed with everybody's technique because the way you would throw, everybody was trying to imitate, right? <laughs> to copy, uh, yeah. But you put a lot of uh, breakthroughs out there and made our lives easier. Obviously, you coached some incredible athletes like Jordan Young. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jason. Yeah. All right, I appreciate it. That was Jason Tungs, and I hope you guys took some good notes from this interview. Jason is always happy to help out young throwers across all ages. And his vast experience certainly makes him an expert in the world of throwing. Please take a moment to leave a short review and see you soon.